give him praise like you feel like praising him. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. I am thankful to be home. And... Um, I actually nearly forgot that I was having a birthday this year. Uh, my birthday is actually Tuesday, the 31st. And um, my wife asked me this week what I wanted for my birthday. And I thought for a minute, oh, yeah, that literally happened. I didn't even see it coming. I, th I think you get to a place where you're trying to push them back. And so, but I, but I do thank you for your kindness and thank you, Adam, for your very kind words. And as I've said many times, we, we never take the generosity and kindness for granted. Um, I am the most unassuming person. I never assume that people want me in their company. I never assume that people want to hear what I have to say. I never assume, um, you know, things on special occasions that people are going to do something as you do regularly, but thank you so, um, so very much. And so it is not actually my birthday today, but I tell you whose birthday it is. It's Brother Maine's birthday today. <laughs> Would you like to take a bow? <laughs> Thank you, Brother Maine. I don't, I don't know what I would have done without Brother Maine throughout this project. As the project goes longer and longer, more and more things get thrown on him. And um, he doesn't fuss to me. He may fuss to Sister Dawn. I don't know. Uh, don't flinch, Sister Dawn. I, at this point, I don't want to know. Maybe tell me later. You can tell me later. But um, he's, he's been a godsend in many areas, and I'm, I'm thankful for his um, hard work and everything that he has done throughout this project, and I just want to wish him a happy birthday. Brother, well, let me, let me go back a little bit. Brother Bourne was here two or three weeks ago, and there was something moved in here on a Sunday night. And we prayed a prayer of doubling of incomes. And I know, I know we've had one other one uh, since then, and I, I can't remember who it was standing right here right now. But this week, Brother Andrew Gluck uh, had, had uh, submitted some resumes and, and whatever in the last couple of weeks, and they called him in for repeated interviews. And I think on his third interview, um, which is fairly typical for the position that he was applying for. When I tell you it's exactly double, God just doubled his income. Looks like God's going to do it for at least one more.
two more, three. Uh, am I telling the truth? I mean, it's like down to the dollar. And, uh, and he just affirmed that, down to the dollar, you can be seated. Um, and then over the next four years, they're, they are giving him, um, I don't know how to put it, but, uh, well, it's equity, but it's incremental equity until he reaches a certain point. And so he will also own a substantial amount of stock in the company. And they will, they will filter that to him over the next four years until he is fully equitable at the place where he needs to be. Now, we're going we're gonna to believe that whatever they promised you now, by the time you get to that four years, it will be exponentially more because you'll be higher up in the company. We're going to believe that. We... We thank the Lord for that. It is, it has been a very uh, busy season for me, and I, uh, whether you understood or not, I'm just assuming you did, and I appreciate you understanding. Um, I I had some dates booked for quite a while to preach in Ohio. That was uh, two weekends ago, and I was supposed to do there, uh, be there to do a Saturday night leadership deal and Sunday uh, church all day. And we did that and uh, got back late, late Sunday night. Um, and Tuesday, I got a call from uh, Brother Jeff Harpole in Terre Haute, Indiana. And they had been praying and fasting. Uh, matter of fact, Brother Harpole, I didn't get permission to tell it, but it's okay. Um, Brother Harpole um, will be finishing a 14-day 14 14 fast tomorrow. So he was fasting during that time, and then uh, they, they literally had hundreds of people in the church that were fasting three days, seven days, 10 days, 14 days, some 21 days and more. And um, they had built up to last weekend, and the man that they were supposed to have come called and had to cancel at the last minute for health reasons. And so they were believing in his words for miracles, signs, and wonders. And so he called, and I prayed about it. And on Wednesday, I called back and let him know that I, that I would be there. And it was just absolutely an extraordinary Sunday. I think uh, Sunday night, I told Brother Harpole, I said, I have not felt that much of the power of God on me in, in quite some time. And um, there was portions of it I just absolutely couldn't, couldn't hardly stand. I was trying to give a word to Brother Harpole, and my feet were going out from under me, and I literally was grabbing onto his jacket to just stay standing up. That's what prayer and fasting will bring into the building. It was very, very, very powerful. Sunday, Sunday evening, I think I preached about 25 minutes, but I stood in the altar and prayed for the sick for over two hours. And... Um, they were coming so quickly, you know, normally we would pray for the sick and then we would ask who's healed and, and whatever and then we would pray again and we would just do it in waves but they just, they just kept, kept coming and kept coming and kept coming and wouldn't stop coming and there was, no, there was no stopping to even confirm anything. 
Um, but it was very, it was very, very powerful. I watched a, a first-time guest come up uh, with a mask on. He was an elderly man, very frail, uh, sick with cancer. And uh, he and his wife came up, and neither one filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and so he was saying that he wanted um, prayer for cancer. And, I, and I, said, I said, I will pray for your cancer. He's behind the mask and everything, and uh, very weak. I said, I will pray for your cancer, but I want you to also believe for God to do a miracle in your soul, in your spirit. And I put my hands on you. The power of God's going to come on you, and God's going to do multiple miracles in your life. And within about a minute or so of praying with him, God filled him with the Holy Ghost, standing right there in the altar. We thank the Lord for it. And his wife was very, very close. I was more focused on him. She was very close. There were some other people praying with her. But since that time, they have let the Harpoles know that, that she wants the Holy Ghost as well. And uh, that man is believing for his healing. His tests have not come back. Uh, I prayed for seven people with cancer that night. Seven. Uh, I think there were probably about 650 people in the building on Sunday night. They probably had 1,000 Sunday morning, uh, not all in the sanctuary, but total. Um, but there was just uh, just so many, so many needs. And I, I know there's one lady that has come to Brother Harpole and said, um, you know, I, I'm one of the ones that had cancer. And I, I believe something is different. I, I feel different, something. And so I'm just waiting on the test results to come back. But I already know the answer to that. Because faith is the evidence. Faith is the evidence. Amen. And so we thank God for it. He was, he was telling me there was a lot of things, a lot of um, confirmations of miracles and things that already took place. But he was telling me about there was a young man that I that I prayed for. I, I think he was a teenager. If not, he was probably around 20 years old and uh, came up with sunglasses on, pretty tall, and was blind and um, prayed for him. And somebody reached up and took his sunglasses off. And, um, you know, I could still tell he was groping around a little bit. And, and, uh, and so I prayed for him again. And, and just went on to, I mean, because there was a mass of people. Josh was there. Josh drove up for Sunday night, and there was a mass of people just, just pushing, pressing in. And uh, so I never got a report from that because by the time I left the sanctuary, there was only about 40 people left in the sanctuary, and we were still praying for people. And, um, and so this week, Brother Harpole and I were together in St. Louis, and he said, the young man that you prayed for, that, that was blind. He said, we really don't know what is happening. Um, but he said, my wife went up to him Wednesday night at church this past Wednesday night. And he wasn't wearing, I think he said he was not wearing his sunglasses. And she said, well, what, what's going on? She said, can you see? And he said, well, I can see your person. She said, what do you mean? He said, well, I can, I can see, I can see you standing here in front of me. I just don't have a lot of details. She said, can you put your hand on top of my head? He just reached up and put his hand right on top of her head because he could see the form. Now, Jesus, 
Jesus prayed for a man. Jesus prayed for a man that was blind. And he said, what do you see? And he said, I see men walking as trees. And he prayed again and he received his sight. And I, I regret that I did not know that that night. And I don't know at what point that transpired. But I regret that I did not know that because I would have prayed for him again. But I, I believe the Lord is, is honoring our faith. And I believe that he's going to do it. Amen. I believe he has done it. I believe he is doing it. Amen. And so the Lord is, the Lord is doing something wonderful. Uh, this week I was in St. Louis and uh, at our, uh, it's called BOD, our Board of Directors meeting for North American Missions. I had tried to step aside back in April of this year uh, after serving for nine years as a sectional director here in the district for North American Missions, not because I didn't have a burden for it anymore, but just because I wanted some somebody else to have the opportunity. Uh, really, they have term limits at eight, eight years. If you continue to get two-thirds, um, you continue to serve as long as you get two-thirds, but I just didn't want to take advantage of that, and so I tried to step aside my presbyter and our NAM director did not feel that was time, so I let my name run, got voted back in as sectional director, and then about three weeks later, got voted in on a district level as the NAM secretary for the state, and uh, just trying to do my best to serve missionaries, not only here in Indiana, but um, all across uh, North America. This is an important time, an important hour. And so I was, I was there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, all day, all evening, uh, meetings for North American missions. They were some of the most, um, it was exhausting, but some of the most refreshing uh, times that I've had in quite a while. And it reminded me of why we do what we do. And we've been through a, and, and all of this is, is leading um, to where we're headed this morning, okay? I'm not come to sermonize to you today. But um, it's, We've been through a tough season, and it, it knocks the wind out of you. It knocks the wind out of your sails, and, and you wonder, wow, everything we've been pushing for for all these years in one, one pandemic uh, can just wipe the slate clean, and it just, it just sucks the air out of you. And we have dealt with it on a, a personal level, individual level. We've dealt with it as families. We've dealt with it on the job. Now some of you are putting, uh, being put in a place where if you do not take the vaccine, you will not be able to work for certain uh, companies. And, um, and so I personally feel like that's a violation of civil rights. And especially uh, when you have information out there that cannot be proven that it's accurate and you have a vaccine uh, that only one of them, and that's just been this past week, has been approved for FDA approval. Every one of them have been approved for emergency use before that. And so we're living in some very difficult times. And when you are reaching for souls, not everybody's comfortable with coming. And do you wear masks? And does everybody have the vaccine? And what are the requirements? And people are not comfortable getting out of their homes. It's just a very, very uh, tumultuous time. But this week... Um, I believe the Lord used that to help me put back, uh, put me back on center focus, and and to remember that we're just really about one thing, and that's souls. We're about souls, 
And uh, I, I'm thankful um, for what we stand for. I'm thankful for the truth that we have. I'm thankful for the passion that we have. Uh, but somehow we have to reach back pre-pandemic and we have to get a hold of that, that passion that we once had for souls. I'm not saying that we are not passionate about souls now. I just think that we are a little um, trepidatious in some areas and we're a little overcautious. And sometimes we're a little wait and see and what's the use and well, let's just hang on and let's see what happens next. We can't, we can't afford to do that anymore. Brother Scott Sistrunk, who is the National uh, North American Missions Directory um, out of St. Louis and based out of St. Louis, is uh, just stay with me for just a second, Brother Bright. Um, he said a term that I have not heard um, on a larger scale in quite a while. He, he used the word, the term, soul winning. Now, I, I know that seems kind of just ordinary to us. But you don't know how long it has been since I have heard somebody, especially in a role like that, use the term soul winning. And this is what he said. It just simply, in one of the meetings, he just simply said, we have to get back to soul winning. Now that, I, I know that seems so basic to you, but you, you have to know where I travel and what I hear. And there's a lot of different language and, and, and terminologies being used today, even to the extent of discipling people before they're, they're one to God and before they're born again of the water and the Spirit. Well, we got to befriend them. they got to be a part of the church six and eight months, and we gotta, we got to make sure we have a long-time relationship with them. But the Ethiopian unit, you said, you're kidding me. People act, yes, people actually believe that. You cannot be discipled without being born again of the water and the Spirit. You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven without being born again of the water and the Spirit, John 3 and 5. You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven without being born again of the water and the Spirit. And, and so uh, we, we've got to get back to the business of soul winning and not just, not just baptizing them, not just praying them through to the Holy Ghost. But, but getting them connected to the body of Christ and getting them in a small group and in a Bible study. Are you listening to me this morning? And some of you are waiting on the message and I'm already in it. We, we have to get back to soul winning. And uh, I felt such a connection uh, with Brother Sistrunk. Brother Sistrunk and uh, my wife grew up in the same church, uh, Sister Ladner. Uh, has known the Sistrunk family for a very, very long time. And uh, it's my mother-in-law, for those of you that don't know. And he is, he is now our national uh, director. And uh, I told him, I said, you, you got to come to New Albany, and you, you got to come quick. We, we, need, we need to recover the spirit of church planting, and we need to recover the, the spirit of soul winning. We need to... We need to get back to the business of, of reaching the lost. I don't want to bore you with this. And uh, I said, you got to come quick. And he said, well, I, I'd probably come maybe the first part of next year. I, I said, quicker. And uh, so he, he got his calendar out, and, and uh, he gave me a couple of dates to look at. And we're looking at those. But I'm, I'm doing my best to get him 
here before CFC season. Um, God is going to use us. We, we have got too much work to do. There's too much work to do around the country. And um, there are people to reach. There are cities that some of them are 50, 60, 100,000 people uh, that do not have an apostolic church. We have, we have counties. We have whole counties around the country that do not have an apostolic church. And these are the last days. And we've got to get back to the business of soul winning. We may not be able to, to plant one in South Dakota or Nebraska, but we can plant one here in this metro area. Yeah, we can. So we, we, we have some loose ends to tie up. And, um, you know, LC is still right here in the sanctuary at 2 p.m. Uh, Jeff has been floundering. The only reason we have um, a Jeff campus left is because of Adam and Jenna and Jaron and Courtney, period. End of sentence. That's it. That's the only reason why we have a Jeff campus left. And we've got to find them a building, whether it's temporary or permanent. We've got to find LC a building, whether it's temporary or permanent. So they move on. We've got to get this renovation wrapped up. And we still have a little ways to go, but I see light at the end of the tunnel. And, uh, and we started this back in May of last year. And just in the last 15 months of this building project, uh, you have given right at $900,000. To this renovation. Amen. We still have a little ways to go. Amen. And um, so, so we've got we've to get back to the business. Uh, before I give you some scriptures so you'll think I'm preaching, I, I want to um, thank Pastor Jackson and Brother B.K. Nichols. Uh, I am so grateful. I heard great reports about last Sunday night. And, of course, uh, Brother B.K. Nichols has been on a doctrinal rampage lately. And I'm, I'm thankful for it. Uh, without doctrine, we're nothing. We, this is, in this day and hour, the Bible said that those that did not receive a love for the truth would be sent a strong delusion, not by the devil, but from God. And that they would believe a lie and be damned because they received not a love for the truth. And so I'm thankful uh, between the two of them, uh, the, the truth teaching and preaching and doctrinal preaching. We believe in one God. We believe in one Savior. His name is Jesus. And we believe in separation from the world. We believe that you must be born again of the water and the spirit or you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. We, we believe the doctrine of Christ. And so I'm thankful for these men of God. I love them very much. I'm grateful for their voice and their anointing. Amen. Amen. I, I, I'm just going to go down. Thank you, Brother Bright. I'm going to go down through some scriptures uh, here today. And uh, I realize what time it is. It's a quarter to twelve. So I'll try to have you out by 3 o'clock at least. Uh, I'm kidding. To our guests, I'm, I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, if you'll just give me just a little bit of time, we won't take much of your time. But, but the things that I said up to this point, I think, needed to be said. And um, 
And so let's, let's see what the word of the Lord says. Psalms chapter 126 and verse 6. He that goeth forth and weepeth. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now, that is indicative of a sheaf of wheat of which they paid the first fruits of to the high priest. They gave to him in thanksgiving for their harvest. That's not the only thing they paid tithe on. They paid tithe on everything. But he that goeth forth and weepeth, I believe that there is a passion that must be involved in our seed sowing. There are, there are souls, and that is my topic here this morning, that are all around us. We are surrounded by them in families and in our places of employment, in the school system, in our communities, in the grocery store, in the Home Depot, everywhere you go. There are souls that need the Spirit of God working in their lives. There is a good chance anywhere that you go that somebody within arm's reach of you is on the way to hell. They're on their way to hell. And they are eternally lost if something doesn't intervene in their life or someone, if someone does not reach them at the right time or the right words. And let, let me just say that if hell has become this or eternity has become this far-off thing in your life, like it, it's probably going to happen, but maybe it won't, maybe it will. It's, if it does, it's not going to be in my lifetime. It's just so far away and... And I'm going to do my best, and I'm going to be a nice person and a moral person, and God will understand and whatever, but that is an inaccurate theology. This is the instruction manual. If you want to know how to put together a bicycle, you read the instructions. Now, most men don't until they figure out they've got two-thirds of the way through and something is not fitting together correctly, and they have to go back and take it apart. Neither do you ask for directions when you're driving either till you're lost for two and a half hours. But, but smart people read the directions. They don't, they don't rush into assembling things because they don't want to waste time and they want the finished product to look exactly like what they see on the box. This instruction manual is the most important instruction manual you'll ever read. It tells you exactly what you must do to be saved. You must do what the scripture says to be saved. And contrary to modern day theology, there will be not there will not be second chances. There is not going to be 
a second salvation or an oopsie or God will understand. I know that it clearly says that I must repent. But if I, you know, don't think that's important, I mean, God will understand that I'm doing my best. He absolutely will not understand. Grace is for now. It's not for eternity. This is the time of grace. This is the time where God is being understanding. Where he is saying, I'm giving you time to understand and to have revelation and to be obedient to the scripture so that you can be saved. Once the trumpet sounds, there will, be, there will not be another chance and there will not be another salvation. That has to become a reality to all of us, even if you have been born again of the water and the spirit, even if you have been a part of the body of Christ for X amount of months or X amount of years. It has to become a daily reality to us that not only in our lives that we have to be ready to meet Jesus and we have to be ready for eternity, but we have to understand that people within arm's reach of us every day are going to hell. They're going to hell. And we cannot go through life smugly as if, well, we're, we've got the answer and we found it ourselves and God led us and if they want it, God will lead them and they can find it too. No. He needs a voice. He needs people that will open up their mouth and not be intimidated about telling someone about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I think there needs to be some weeping involved in our sowing. The weeping is the watering of the seed. I think it so winning cannot be mechanical. It, it can't be just us standing in someone and say, hey, I've got some good information for you. What would you think about coming to church with me? Well, that's, that's a good start. I don't think it should be mean. But there should be something in you that understands what's at stake here. I have an opportunity to tell somebody right now. I may not ever see this person again. I don't know how many more people that the Lord is going to lead in their path to make sure that they have an opportunity to hear the gospel and it may be that somebody comes in their path, not by the, led by the Lord, that invites them to their church that is teaching and preaching false doctrine. And they may believe a lie and be damned because they did not receive a love for the truth. So I think there has to be some weeping involved in our sowing. In Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 5, the scripture said, He that gathereth in summer is a wise man. And he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causes shame. I've, I've noticed a few things in our 20 years of pastoring. One of them is that every time the church begins to approach a season of harvest, people start falling off the wagon. There are people in the church that seem to be stable. We seem to have gotten them over the hump. We seem to have gotten them past all of the things that were causing separation between them and God, and all of a sudden, they just fall off the wagon. It's like a switch is flipped. I noticed that. And the reason is 
because God doesn't allow sleepers in the harvest. Now, I know he said that he that sleepeth in the harvest. This is speaking of a natural harvest, but the principle applies also to the spiritual harvest. And I believe that we are moving into a spiritual harvest. Now, we are at the end of summer. Summer's not quite over yet. I haven't had my birthday yet. It's not quite over yet. The heat is not quite over yet. But there should be a gathering mentality that gets a hold of the church about right now. Now, I don't know if you notice, I'm not trying to entertain you this morning. I'm, I'm trying to speak to your, to your spirit and to your soul. We cannot attend church until Jesus comes and hopes that everybody come in by YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. There is nothing like a personal touch on somebody's life. There's nothing like you coming along at the right moment, at the right time, and telling somebody, hey, God wants to do something in your life. They say, well, the Lord didn't speak that to me. Well, can you speak it as a word of faith? God wants to do something, and I've got the answer. Let me tell you what God wants to do in your life. There is a, there's a boldness that has to get a hold of us. And, and in many ways, we have come through the pandemic wonderfully. We had a couple of casualties, and I don't diminish those. They were tragic, and we missed them. We had a couple of tragedies back in you know, March, April of 2020. But since we reopened, we haven't had any COVID cases as a church. And I believe that is the hand of the Lord protecting us, and I'm thankful for it. In many ways, we have come through the pandemic far better than many others. But at some point, we have to shake off the pandemic maintenance mode and we have to get back to the business of soul winning and that may require you getting a fresh burden from the Lord on you and learning to weep for the lost again because people within arm's reach are going to hell in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 30 the Bible said the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he that winneth souls is wise the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Now, that tells me that the fruit that comes off of the tree of your life will provide, will become a tree of life for others. Do you remember, let me, let me speak to some ex-drug addicts in here this morning. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you were one. Let me speak to some ex-unbelievers in here this morning and some ex-alcoholics and people that were just destitute before the Lord found you, people that were living a life very far from God and wondered if you could ever make it to Him. Think of that moment when the Lord began to reach down into your life and it began to turn things over for you. And you realized, I can't stay the same way that I am. The hand of God began to reach for you. 
somewhere in the mix of all of that, somebody touched your life. Somebody gave a word. Somebody prayed for you. Somebody knocked on your door. Somebody gave you a seed card. Somebody gave you a flyer. Somebody invited you to an event. Somebody prayed with you in this altar. Somebody encouraged you when you were ready to give up. Somewhere along that path from you to God and you to this church was mediators and encouragers and people, intercessors and people that prayed for you and cared for you or taught you a Bible study and helped you get from where you were to where God wanted you to be. It's time for you to be that for somebody else. Well, I, I, I'm timid. Yes, you have to get over that. Well, I'm an introvert. Yes, you have to get over that. Well, I don't really know what to say. That's a lie. Because if you will open your mouth, the Holy Ghost will fill your mouth with words that you don't even know where they're coming from. He that winneth souls is wise. So if you don't feel like you have the wisdom to win souls, the Bible said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth liberally and abradeth not. We have to apply that on the topic of soul winning. When's the last time you asked the Lord to give you wisdom to reach your family members? And not just prayed for them. God, I need wisdom to reach my family members. I need wisdom to reach my boss, to reach my coworkers, to reach my community and my neighborhood. And Lord, I need the boldness to get out there and talk to somebody else. When is the last time that you have prayed that prayer? How many of you believe what I'm teaching this morning? In Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3, they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. We are, we are preparing for eternity. If you would just leave that verse up there, please. We are preparing for eternity. Only what you do for Christ will last. Have you heard that statement before? Many, many people, even in the church today, are, are still living heavily for this life. I'm all for building a business, but I'm not for substituting that for your ministry in the kingdom. I'm, I'm all for being successful and, and getting an education, but I'm, I'm not for getting those priorities out of order. You have a ministry in the kingdom of God, and everything that you do here, you are laying up treasures in heaven. You are preparing for whatever role that God is going to use you to do in eternity. You think we're just all going to fly around on the same level with angels' wings and halos and we're just going to fly around for all eternity worshiping the Lord? No, there's a work to be done. And we are preparing right now. Everybody in eternity will not receive the same reward. Everybody will not be given the same level of responsibility and assign the same task. And so the question is, do you want to spend the 70 or 80 years that God has given you down here to build your own kingdom and to build your own house and to build your own wealth and to build your own education? Or would you like to keep that in its proper perspective and realize that everything you're doing here has to translate into kingdom ministry? Your dollars have to count, uh, translate into kingdom ministry your efforts and your talents and your giftings and your abilities. And if you're not using your talents and abilities 
to reach the lost souls, you have missed the whole picture of what God has put you in the kingdom for in this time. Everybody say souls. We have to reach for souls. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. You want to be a star? Turn many people to righteousness. Ezekiel chapter 3 and verse 18. I won't be much longer. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him no warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require thine hand. Because you did not warn him, his blood he will die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Is that Bible? Verse 19. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn from his wickedness, or he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness, and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because thou hast not given him warning, he shall die in his sin, and his righteousness which he hath done shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Everybody take your hands and put them out in front of you. Just look at your hands. I'm not trying to be dramatic here. But I want you to see the names of people that are within reach of you. I want you to see their names on your hands. I'm not trying to be cute and funny and dramatic. I want you to see their names, their family members, their people you work with, their people you frequent you frequently see at the gas station, the grocery store, their people you know on social media. Look at them. They're right there in the palm of your hand. It is incumbent upon you for you, keep looking at your hand. It is incumbent for you to get their blood off of your hand. Oh, you're taking that too far. I think not. The scripture said, if you have the ability to warn them and you refuse to warn them, he said, I will require their blood at your hand. Now, what does that look like? I don't know. I don't want to find out. That's why every week you can look up. That's why every week, myself and these men right here, when we stand in this pulpit, we have one job. It's not, it's not to pacify the large tithe payers. It, it's, not, it's not to placate the, the sin and the iniquity of, of people that we're trying to impress. Maybe they're not members of this church, but we want them to be members. and So we're trying to be seeker-friendly. We are not seeker-friendly. We are preachers of the truth. We, we want people to join the church. We want them to get connected to the body of Christ. We're glad for every guest and returning guest that comes to greater faith. But we are not up here to put pacifiers in people's mouth. We have to warn them because if we don't, the Lord is going to require their blood at our hand. We are, we are not here. This is not a daycare. 
This is not somewhere where we stand up here to impress people with our vocabulary and our eloquence. This is the place, and I'm sorry to use this uh, silly little, uh, you know, colloquial whatever, but this is literally the people where we pull people from the pit. That's why it's called a pulpit. It's not really the reason why, but but it's a good analogy there. We are here to pull because we don't know if they're going to come back in this building again. We don't know if they're ever going to have another chance to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to say it again. You must be born again of the water and of the spirit or you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Why don't you praise him? Why don't you just praise him for his word? Name, stand, sit, do whatever you want to do, but I, I'm going to read three more verses to you. Same book. I read that out of Ezekiel 3, three chapters into Ezekiel. Now we're in Ezekiel 33. And verses 6 through 8. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at thy hand. In this building, I'm the watchman. If I'm your pastor, I'm your watchman. But you're the watchman over a lot of people. Are you watching for them? Are you watching over there? No, they hadn't submitted to me. No, but you have what they need. You see what they haven't seen yet. You're going to just let them run off the cliff? You're just going to let them burn for eternity? Now, I'm going to sound like I'm getting a little sarcastic here, but I'm not. There's no sarcasm laced in this. Well, I don't have time for a Bible study. I don't have time for that. My schedule's too busy. I'm going to tell you, I wish the whole church was here to hear this statement I'm about to make. Some of you Bible studies out there, Bible study teachers out there that won't get your chart back out and won't make time in your schedule to sit down with somebody that needs to know the truth, you're going to be held accountable for your slothful ways. Jesus called people like that slothful. And wicked servants. Now I've got that scripture somewhere in here. I got a whole bunch more scripture to read, but I'm not going to do it. I think I've made the point this morning. This is not a guilt trip for greater faith. This is this is not me up here trying to, you know, get you stirred so we can pray a few people through and get the numbers up. It's not about that at all. I'm going to tell you something. If there's five people left in this church when the trumpet sounds. 
I want those five to be saved. If we've got 400 empty seats in this building and we've only got five people in this building, when that trumpet sounds, I want those five to be able to go. I want them to go. I'm not interested in drawing a crowd, building a crowd, building fluff. This is not a game for me. This is not a career path for me. This is not something I'm doing because I wasn't smart enough to do anything else. This is something God called me to do. I wouldn't be doing this without the call of God on my life. And every time I step in this pulpit, matter of fact, every day that I wake up, and these men too, when I wake up and, my, and I open my eyes, I'm reminded of the call of God on my life. I have one job. That's to tell people the truth. I'm not interested in people's feelings. Now I'll be as kind and diplomatic as I can if that's what the Lord wants me to do. Yeah, I want to be compassionate because he's compassionate. I want to be merciful because he's merciful. I want to be full of grace and patience and forgiving like Adam was talking about earlier. I, 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 want, to be, I, want, to be the, I want to be a good shepherd. I want to be a good shepherd, but I'm, not, I'm a terrible shepherd if I can't tell people the truth. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you think that's not a heaven or hell scripture where he's talking about if you don't warn them, I will require their blood at your hands, that sounds like do or die to me. I don't want to find out what it means to have somebody else's blood on my hands. I need to get the blood of the souls of the city off of, off of my hands. Do you understand what I'm saying here? I know a handful of you are moved right now. The, re the rest of you are waiting for the sermon to be over with. There's a move of the Holy Ghost in this place. I, I, I know we're not running the aisles right now. I know we're not dancing and rolling to the floor right now. I, I know we're not biting the ceiling tiles out of the ceiling. But there is a move of the Holy Ghost in this place. And somehow we've got to shake the pandemic off. We've got to get rid of the COVID mentality. We've got to come out of our cage. We've got to get, get our spiritual mask off our face. And we've got to let our light shine again. And we've got to get to the place where we're willing to walk up with some, to somebody and say, hey, it's time. It's time. God's reaching for you. God's got something in your life. God wants to do something great in your life. Come on. I don't want to see you go to hell. God's got a miracle in your life. It's time to open up your mouth. I say, Come on. I'm trying to stir somebody up in the Holy Ghost this morning. The Lord is trying to stir somebody up in the Holy Ghost. If you want to be saved, it's time to get the blood off of your hands. There's people out there that need to hear what you've got to say. Does anybody believe me? I see you moving, but I don't feel your spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. I want, we're going to open the altars here in a moment. We're going to pray together, but I want you to stretch your hands toward heaven in this place. Oh, I feel it right now. I feel a deep, deep, deep anointing. <laughs> I feel a deep anointing moving in this place right now. Oh, God, I pray that your burden would set upon your people. I pray, oh, Lord God, that you would help us, Lord, to do your will in this place, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Lord, I pray for a stirring. I pray for an awakening. I pray for a moving. I pray for a moving, I pray for a shaking. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, listen to me. Don't walk out of here this morning. I'm going to open this altar here in a moment. Don't walk out of here this morning and 
tell somebody the preacher was trying to guilt you. If you feel guilty, that's, that's not me. I want you to feel conviction but not condemnation. I'm not trying to shame you. I'm trying to wake you. The reason, the reason why it feels so, the reason why we've been struggling with our pre-service prayer, the reason why, you know, it feels flat until it doesn't feel flat and then the preacher's got to resurrect everything and bring it up to a certain level and we got to get the volume up to a certain level and we got to get everybody excited at one time, then we can all of a sudden have a move of God. The reason why it's that way is because every week we come in here and see the same people. That's why it feels mundane to you. That's why it feels boring to some of you. That's why some of you can't hardly find the passion and the reserves to pray because there's nothing to pray for. The Lord is not burdened for this church. He's burdened for the lost. And the reason we don't feel burdened and the reason we don't feel connected here is because, you know, some of you feel, some of y'all go, go through these seasons, well, I just feel disconnected lately. I think I'll just... Quit coming. I think I'll just find another church. The reason is because you're not fulfilling the mission of Christ. When you fulfill his burden and when you fulfill his passion and when you do his will, there is a freshness that comes to your spirit. I get bored with seeing the same people over and over. I get tired of preaching to the same people over and over. And that's not what this is about. But what I'm telling you is... Greater faith is not greater faith until the, the waters of baptism are troubled, not just one or two or three at the time, but, but 15 and 20 and 25 and 30 at the time. That's the will of God. That's what the harvest looks like. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. Some of you look so bored this morning. I'm trying to wake us up this morning. We got to get back to the business of souls. It's His will, it's His passion. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I want you to stand to your feet. And this is, this is what this altar call is for. Now, for some reason, I, I don't know, I, I give altar calls like this, and then people just sit back in the seats. And then later on, I say, oh, okay, I didn't, I didn't know. Oh, no, no, I was just praying back in my seat. Right, I know, but I ask you to come to the front. People don't understand the principle of simple obedience. You want your kids to be obedient to you, but you can't obey the pulpit. And this is more important. So I, I say that because I don't want you to take this for granted because the Lord, the eyes of the Lord are roaming in this building right now. The Lord is examining. He is x-raying people's motives and spirits in this place. Matter of fact, there's a person in this building that moved to this church. You moved to this church years ago because God told you to move to this church because this was a soul-winning church and you had a passion to win souls. Well, I'm going to ask you, how many souls have you won in the last several years? You're bitter at God because he hasn't answered your prayer yet. You better be careful. I'm warning somebody in the Holy Ghost right now. Matter of fact, if you don't get back to the motive that you moved here for, there's another tragedy coming to you. 
I'm not mad. I'm trying to warn somebody right now, the Holy Ghost. Now here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. If you want the Lord to just rebaptize you, if you want the Lord to just rebaptize you with His passion and His burden for souls, and you're ready to act on that, I'm ready. I'm ready to act. I'm not going to be lazy. Think about this for a moment. I don't want you to commit to something you're not willing to commit to. I'm not going to be lazy. My schedule is packed. I'm busy. I may be busier than I've ever been, but I've got time for souls. I'm going to make time for souls. If that's you, I want you to come. Don't wait to see who else comes. Don't look around. I want you to come. And I want you to close your eyes and lift your hands. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on. I want you to lift your hands and I want you to lift your voice to him this morning. Now, Father, I pray, Lord, that there be a fresh baptism in this place. I pray that there be a fresh baptism in this place in the name of the Lord God. I pray, Lord, that you would move upon the people of God. I pray, Lord, that you would baptize us from the platform to the sound booth. Oh, God, every person in this place, in the name of the Lord, I want our camera operators and I want our ushers to feel like you can come to the altar this morning. If that's not your commitment, don't come. But don't stay back there just because you're on duty. I, want, I release you from your duty. In the name of the Lord, that's it. Come on. Now that prayer right there is about, is about to release something in this place. God, I ask you to forgive us, oh Lord. For moving away, God, from what we know we're supposed to be doing. We've let our humanity get in the way. We've let a pandemic, oh Lord, suck the life out of us. We've been through fear and we've been through depression and we've been through hopelessness, Lord. And we've been discouraged, oh God. We're tired and we're weary, Lord, but we're about to get back to the business of winning souls. In the name of the Lord Jesus, oh God. Oh, Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, greater faith. Come on, I feel that anointing coming in this place. I feel that baptism of fresh fire coming down in this sanctuary right now. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Come on. 